This podcast is supported by Mississippi Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land. Visit mslandbank.com. Drives it to the rack. Swatted by McCallum. Gilligan, four seconds, three seconds. Morgan Williams. Morgan Williams has got to put it up. Fires it up, and it is All right, welcome to episode five of Praise the Lord and Talk Dogs, and we are making history on today's podcast. We do that every podcast because it's so young, let's be honest, but this is the first full-on interview episode uh, edition of Praise the Lord and Talk Dogs. We are joined by Mississippi State's on-campus recruiter and digital services, director of? Coordinator of. Coordinator of on-campus recruiting and digital services, Abby Hunt. Abby, thank you for joining, and thank you for providing something other than Matt Wyatt. There we go. Thank you for having me. On this podcast, yeah. Uh, Desperately needed a change up. I just want to get a jab in while I can, you know? It's all right, Matt. I still like you. (laughs) He he gets one vote of confidence. So so we're we're having you on because, uh, as I kind of outlined in in the intro, I think no matter on what scale you look at your position, be it at this campus, in the SEC, in women's basketball or in college sports as a whole, you have kind of a unique position. Absolutely. And, and one that Mississippi State is tangibly benefiting from, I think. So we'll, we'll get to that. But before that, let's talk about you. Let's learn everything there is to know about Abby Hunt, okay? Okay. The pride of Tupelo, Mississippi. You could say that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the pride of Tupelo, Mississippi. We'll go with that. I'll uh, I'll email the mayor about putting that on the uh, intro, on the, like, welcome sign. You should. I you will. Should. I will. I'll do that as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> um, but you went from there to South Carolina. I did. For, for undergrad, which I is did. kind of a funny twist of fate, it considering is. what you're doing now and the juxtaposition of those two schools. Absolutely. Why did you choose to become a Gamecock? So I chose to go to the University of South Carolina because the program that I was a part of there was very strong. I was a sport and entertainment management major. Sweet. Yes, it was awesome. And um, and South Carolina has one of the top three programs in the country. So two of my professors were friends of my dad. And when I went on my tour Thanksgiving break of my junior year of high school, They both convinced me that I would be stupid to go anywhere else for what I wanted to do, and I listened, and that's where I went. Was the idea to get into the SID world, which we'll get to momentarily, was that the idea? No, that was not the idea. Were you going to become the female Scott Boris? So I'm not kidding when I say that when I had that first meeting with the, um, the director of the program, who actually had been at Mississippi State, before, um, had been at Southern Miss. He was a great guy. We were neighbors when we lived in Starkville. I told him that I wanted to do two things in my life. I wanted to be a princess at Disney World, (laughs) and I wanted to be the commissioner in the NFL. I was very set on whatever my path would be, I would go to the NFL. They could use you. They could desperately, (laughs) desperately use you and everything that is wrong with that franchise. Well, the path changed. (laughs) It did. A couple times. Well, you know, uh, there's still plenty of time. 
Sure. The, the option is there. It is. Okay, so so you went to South Carolina for that reason, got your undergraduate degree at South Carolina. I did not. You didn't? I did not. You came here before? I did. That's right. That's I right. Did. You transferred. I did transfer. So I spent two and a half years in South Carolina, and I was eight hours from home, and it was expensive. So <laughs> As out-of-state can be. Yes, yes. So I looked at my options, and I considered what is more important getting a degree or the path to get there. And I decided that getting a degree was more important. So I transferred back home to an in-state school and finished um, so that that way I, um, so I weighed my path options. And I was like, I can stay at South Carolina or I can go to Mississippi State and just get it over with. Um, And so I ended up coming to Mississippi State and my path changed entirely. And here I am now. And so, so that's that's good. First of all, the, the state fans can rest assured there isn't a card carrying gamecock within their within their women's basketball program. That's <laughs> no, good. They I mean, can they can rest on. assured. Probably they can rest assured the, the the piece of paper comes from Mississippi State University. It does. They can my house. They, they can rest assured in that. But when you were here, and this is how we got to know each other first, you were doing student SID work. Yes. And to, to kind of shed some light on, on what that is, and you can do that later on. I, I, I still think people don't really know what SIDs are and, and what they do. Sports information directors, I'll stop using the, the jargon now. Sports information directors, they do basically everything in between the program and the public in terms of communications. Most of the time... That, or at least most of the time to the common consumer, that means dealing with idiots like me in the media, uh, coordinating interviews for us, coordinating press conferences for us, making sure we're not doing stupid things, uh, keeping a thumb on us when we do stupid things, et cetera, et cetera. But there's so much more to the job than that. It includes dealing with TV broadcasts. Those people, uh, they, they require a lot of time and effort, and, and SIDs are the ones that do that. Um, they have to do the preseason media guides and then the postseason media guides if your team is good, like the Mississippi State women are. Uh, and then these game notes packages, which this is the part that I think is most nebulous or unknown to the common uh, consumer of, of college athletics. It, for each event, there are these stat packets of like somewhere between 40 and 60 pages, depending on the sport and, and the, the at the time of the season, right. And I, these things, y'all, they are, like, packed with numbers. Like, there is not a statistic about this team that I cannot find in these game notes. They're wonderful for sports writers in general, but especially for nerdy sports writers like myself who like to dive into these numbers. And they're responsible for all of that, and that's a lot of work for one human. It's a lot of work for two humans, but that's a different conversation. So uh, these SIDs need help. And they get that help from students. And you were one of those for two years, right? Uh, So it was a bit longer than that. But but two women's basketball seasons. Two and a half. Two and a half. So the, uh, that's right. So the, um, right, right. So the, uh, the sweet 16 season, the, uh, and the two national, two national championship game seasons. Yeah. So you, you showed up at the perfect time and you got to ride that. All the way through. Still am. Uh, yeah, valuable, valuable experience there. So when you were working through all of that, was becoming the full-time SID on your mind? Like, was that the goal? So I'm going to back up and okay. say that after I decided that I 
um, was not going to be a princess and I was not going to go to the NFL. The princess thing, both of those options are still open, by the way. Um, you could say that. For yeah, the record, sure. <laughs> for the record, both of those options are still open. So I decided I wanted to follow in the family footsteps and go into arena management. Uh, my dad runs the Bancorp South Arena in Tupelo, and when I was growing up, he ran the Humphrey Coliseum, mm -hmm. and before he ran the Humphrey Coliseum, my grandfather ran the Humphrey Coliseum, so it's just kind of like a family thing. The, the building that the Hunt family built. Yes, yes, you could say that. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I decided I wanted to do. So when I transferred back here, I, um, I went and visited with Jay Logan, who is over the Humphrey Coliseum now. Right. And I kind of told him what I was looking to do, and he looked at me and he told me that, um, quite honestly, they didn't really have any opportunities other than moving chairs. And I said, okay, <laughs> that's fine. I will, I will go find a different, a, a different department. Yes. And so at the time, the baseball SID, his name was Kyle Niblett, and he had found my resume and he called me in um, to kind of talk about my prior social media experience. Mm -hmm. So I actually started running my first professional social media account when I was 17 and I was a junior in high school and I did all the social media for the Tupelo Convention and Visitors Bureau. Okay. So I did that. Um, I started it right after my junior year and did that all through my senior year until I left to go to Columbia. So he saw that and thought it was interesting. So he called me in to ask if I wanted an opportunity in the media relations department, um, which is what it was called at the time. Now mm -hmm. it's communications. Right. And so I thought about it, and then I went back to him a week or two later and told him that um, I appreciated his recommendation to any other department, but since he reached out to me first, that was the department I was gonna fall into. So he sent me over to Greg Ellis, who was over the students at the time. Shouts to Greg. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. That's Shouts it. Shouts to Greg Ellis. That's it. So I finally got in to meet with Greg, and Greg asked me what sport I wanted to work with. And this was, mind you, this was before the Final Fours. This was before right. going to the Sweet 16. Right. And I told him, well, I really like women's basketball because I loved it when I lived here as a kid. I was a huge fan of Tan White. She was my favorite. Mm, and, that's a blast for the past. Oh, for a lot of absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And um, and then while I was at South Carolina, I um, I went with them to the Final Four as a fan. Yeah. Um, so I went through like that whole tournament process with them as a fan. And so I was already fond of women's basketball from like that end mm -hmm. and then from when I was a kid. And so when I told him that, he kind of looked at me and he said, really? And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, I thought you were gonna say baseball. And I was like, I mean, baseball would be fine too. I was like, I just really like women's basketball, but I'll do whatever. And he told me that we didn't have a student on women's basketball, so there we go. That was it. And just like that. Just like that. You were getting in on the ground floor of a run that will never be forgotten. Absolutely. So and it's just because I happen to say that I liked women's basketball, which is still true. Still, by still the way, true. Uh, <laughs> clarify. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is that is quite the stroke of luck. Yes. To to say the yes. least. Yes. So we had this meeting on a Friday, and on Sunday the Gamecocks were coming to town. Mm. And he asked me, he was like, well, do you want to work the game on Sunday? And I just kind of looked at him and I was like, well, honestly, I don't think it's fair if I know more people on the other team than I know on this team. Oh, uh, yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. So I started the Tuesday following that South Carolina game. And my first game was that Thursday, our first win against Tennessee in program history. Mm. So I had very little instruction. They just kind of threw me into the fire and they were like, OK, can you tweet this game? And I was like, uh-huh. 
okay, sure. <laughs> so so I tweeted it, and I, here I still am, tweeting games. <laughs> so is that the uh, the digital services part of your uh, uh, job title? Is that basically what that is, the yes. social media aspect? Yes. Okay. So when I was the secondary SID for this team, half of my job was social media, and the other half was other SID-related duties, such as filling out the game notes and yeah coordinating interviews with the players. Um, so I handled the players and Brock, who was the SID at the time, would handle coach. And so we just kind of split it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, so I left those duties behind and moved over here this summer and kept social media, right. uh, which is the part that I really loved. Yeah. And then added the on-campus recruiting part too. Yeah, okay, so the, the background having been established, let's move to the job title itself again. Coordinator of on-campus recruiting and digital services. It's very long. It is very, yes, very long. It doesn't fit on my name tag very it well. Is, it is by far the longest uh, title on this staff director. That does not mean that I do the most work, though. though <laughs> fair. Head fair. coach is not that long a uh, title. You're under coaches on HailState.com. Is that weird to you? It is so weird. Right? I actually went to the SEC new coaches orientation because I was required <laughs> to. So here I was in a room with all of these actual SEC coaches. Who's the most famous coach you were in the room with? Well, not necessarily the most famous coach, but the most famous person in that room was Marcus Lattimore. Wow. Yeah, I walked in and I saw him. That had to be a thrill for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, is that Marcus Lattimore? And then sure enough, we went around the room introducing ourselves and he was like, hi, I'm Marcus. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was Marcus Lattimore. I loved Marcus Lattimore. (laughs) That guy was amazing. Yes, yes. So his his injury was actually the year before I got to South Carolina. But my freshman year, everybody was still talking about it. And everybody's still talking about how great he was. He was amazing. Yes. So we went to SEC New Coaches Orientation together. Wow. (laughs) So any any head coaches that were in that room of note? Hmm. So this one was in the fall. So most of the new football coaches and baseball coaches had already gone through. Okay. So So now we're talking like last minute assistant hires for the most um, part? For a lot of assistant hires, a lot of Olympic sport coaches. Right. Um, I know I sat in front of an equestrian head coach. Okay. So, um... So it was kind of a, a weird time where fall sports were already in swing. Right. It was before the winter sports. Okay. So that that that's that was a tangent. I just I just had to know. Marcus Lattimore. <laughs> Marcus Lattimore. That is unbelievable. Yep. I, okay. To get back to the social media part of, of your job, I'm sorry, I'm still geeking out over Marcus Lattimore. <laughs> um, is that every platform? Yes. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And Instagram. Snapchat? No. Um. So we used to have a Snapchat account, Hail State Snap, and it was for all the sports. And okay. I had some fun with it this past Final Four run. I, I had a it. lot of fun with it. And then um, this year we decided to kind of move away from that and more towards individualized sport accounts. Okay. YouTube too, right? Isn't there a YouTube platform? Yes. The YouTube platform is mostly for Hell State Productions. Um, yeah. The things that they produce sometimes that can't necessarily go on another social media platform because yeah. of copyrighted music. Yeah. So sometimes when we want to get around that, we put it on YouTube and then we just tweet the YouTube link. And all of that is the handle is Hail State WBK? Yes. Okay. Yes. Thought That's so. us. Strong branding. Absolutely. Uh, so this is this is the part of your job that you're the most well-trained for. Is that, is that fair? So what is kind of the broad social media strategy for the women's basketball program? What do you try to accomplish on on the Twitters other than monitoring my fantastic tweets. <laughs> so I think the most important thing that we try to do is we try to promote our players. Okay. We want everybody to know all the great things that they do, both on the court and off the court. Like the double-double watch? For Absolutely. The, She's the, up to 18 this season. 
um, T.R. McCallum, for those that don't know, yes, which, why wouldn't you pretty, for listening to this podcast? Pretty but, incredible. But 18, yeah, ridiculous. Uh, so, so I want to make sure that our fans have like an insider view of what they do. So just different things like, you know, oh, we're having dinner together. Oh, Jordan's on the cover of a magazine for the business school. Yeah. Different things like that I really want to bring attention to, mm-hmm. things that people might not see or might not know. So not just necessarily like, Oh, and Riel had another amazing game. Mm. So different things. I want to give a new perspective of that. Um, so that's the most important is promoting the players. And then also our accounts are used for various, you know, spots for information, um, promoting different game day related things, yes. like what time the doors open. That's important too. So it's used for all kinds of stuff, but. I will admit the information part is is probably the part that I appreciate the most because <laughs> I often get questions that the school can most easily answer. So it's always just great when like that. Don't y'all normally put out a tweet like on the morning of a game with 9 a.m. Yeah, like the the tip off time, the door open time, a link to buy tickets if any are available, which recently they haven't been. That's correct. Where you can find live stats and radio and TV Everything. and all that. that all is, in one tweet. That is my favorite tweet <laughs> of every day, of every game day. I love it because I can just find it. I mean, it helps me because there's a lot going on and it helps me to remember that the game is at a certain time. Yeah, um, and what channel it's on. Yeah, I actually went through most of last week thinking the Alabama game was at 2. And it wasn't. It was not. It was at 12. It was at noon. I know that <laughs> I know that now, and, and thank the Lord, because I was there <laughs> on time. Um, but another part about the, the social media thing is, obviously, it's, it's a big recruiting tool. Yes. Kind of blends both parts of your, your job yes. there because you're recruiting 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. They are constantly on their phones. They Absolutely. are constantly on social media. So what is the blend between being an information source for a currently rabid women's basketball <laughs> fan base and being a recruiting platform for the McDonald's All-Americans that, that Vic Schaefer and staff are trying to bring into this program. Yes, yeah, so Rakia Jackson, our McDonald's All-American, first yep. in program history. She is coming um, next year, so that's exciting. But I try to take things that you would look at on the surface as meant for one group of people and apply it to another group of people. For example, fan videos. We have such an amazing fan base who's so supportive of everything that we do. So whenever we post like a quote video of something that Vic said about our fans or just a video of the crowd, it makes the fans feel special because they see Mm -hmm. themselves or they say, I was a part of that or they say, I want to be a part of that. So they look at it that way, but recruits look at it as, I want to play for that. I want to play for those people. I want to play in that environment. Interesting. Yes. So you can take one thing and spin it a different way. Absolutely. Again, with the promoting players, it gives fans an insider perspective on the program. It gives the players something to retweet or put on their Instagram story or something to feel special about themselves. And then it shows recruits, hey, this is what you can be if you come to Mississippi State. So the, the number one center in the nation can look at all these Tierra McCowan ridiculous numbers and, and say, hey, I can do that too. Yes. If and I go to Mississippi State, I can be that. Absolutely. That's 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 fascinating. So that's that's kind of uh, – is there anything else we should know about what you do in, social, in the social media realm? I keep track of everything that I do. Especially like on oh yeah we were talking about this before we started yes. recording so like the spreadsheets yes and the I have up. I have a lot of spreadsheets but my favorite one and the one that I keep up the most often I have every tweet 
from September, September 4th is my official start date and full time. Every single tweet, the date, the tweet, the time, the type, video, link, photo, quote tweet. Do you log this yourself? Or? Yes. Likes, retweets, impressions, engagement, and engagement rate. Every tweet. So in case you're wondering, from September 4th until January 24th, I've tweeted 719 times. That is a lot of hashtag content. It is, it is. <laughs> so I just kind of want to see what kind of tweet performs best. Now you do that for yourself, right? Yes. Like now, just to be clear, like you're not being evaluated based on on likes and, and retweets. So, but I do appreciate your yeah, likes and retweets. So, so like and retweet, but don't <laughs> like and retweet because you think you have to keep Abby employed. That is that is not the case. She's, yes. She's killing yes. it of her own this accord. Is, but this is my own thing. Um, I share it with our. Um, Daniel Watkins, who's over social media yes. for the whole department. I share it with him. Shouts to Daniel. Yes. <laughs> and um, and then he has a woman that works with him, um, Becca. And she does this for at Hell State and at Hell State FB. So mm-hmm. then I do it for WBK. Just to kind of make sure that like what is performing well on my account is in line with what's performing well on their account. Right. Um, so what we found is that tweets with multiple photos have the highest engagement rate on average. Um, and but if you think about it, it makes sense because the photos are small. You want to click on them and see what's in it. Yeah. So so that's what I do. I keep track of all of my averages. Um, my goal for every tweet that I put out is at least 200 likes. And I know that I'm not going to get that on every one. Um, but I hope to have some higher than that to kind of bring that average up. So the average is around 200. Yes. yes. So the average is 265 September through the Florida game. Just fantastic. Just fantastic, and obviously knowing what uh, what performs well on on social media expands the reach and expands yes. to yes. potentially new fans, expands to uh, potentially new recruits, and and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to make sure that we're growing every month. Yes, and so far we have been. That's that's nice. Uh, so. so there's there's a lot more we we want to touch on uh, the job itself. Like just how how rare it is and then the recruiting part of your job but before we get to that let's hear a quick word from our sponsor we do more than make a living off the land in north mississippi we live for the land too we live for an early morning duck hunt time spent in a deer stand a day of fishing and the outdoor life for more than 100 years mississippi land bank has been a great hunting partner for recreational land lovers by helping to finance the land they set their sights on we know what a hunter loves and the lay of the land in North Mississippi. And that's where I stand. Thanks to those fine folks for, for keeping our lights on and our mics hot. We appreciate that greatly. Um, and now before we get to the recruiting aspect of, of your job, the, the job itself, um, again, coordinator of on-campus recruiting and digital services. It's interesting because we were talking about the role of the SID earlier. And something I didn't mention was social media. Most of the time, the SIDs, or in your case, a student assistant to the SID, has to handle the social media. The women's basketball program here doesn't have that anymore because they have someone on staff that handles that. And the recruiting part of it is also interesting to me because even as recently as 10 years ago in primetime college football, they didn't have the huge recruiting staffs that, that they have now. They had an assistant coach, like the running backs coach, who would also be the co- recruiting coordinator. Now, of course, football, uh, they have like five and six people, armies of, of people who do nothing but but recruiting stuff and, and 
even in other sports, that hasn't taken off yet. Like baseball, Jake Gotro, he's an assistant coach and he's the recruiting coordinator. But Mississippi State women's basketball has a full st- full time staffer with recruiting in the title. That's so. Is that as rare as I think it is? So there's only two of us in the SEC. The other Texas A&M. Okay. So Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> no. Um, so he also is like me and more social media based and then just kind of helps out with recruiting as needed. Yeah. Okay. Now, how is it different to be truly on the inside as opposed to being kind of on the inside as, as an SID? Because like you're as an SID, you're there. You're there almost all of the time. But you're not going to have any reason to be in a coach's staff meeting for example, as, as an SID. Like, yes. There's no reason for you to walk in on a coach watching film yes. as an SID. <laughs> but in your current role, you could very easily do that. You probably have. Right? I have, yeah. yes, unintentionally. Uh, so <laughs> I don't need to be the one watching film. <laughs> right. So how different is it to be even more on the inside? Of so the, of what I love in my position now is my proximity to the girls. Um, that's the biggest part. And so being with them all the time, seeing them every day, except for off days, um, just being a part of their life more so than I was, mm-hmm. gives me more perspective on their personalities and different traits that I can use on social media or different things like don't ask this girl this, but ask this girl about this. Right. Um, they're also more familiar with me now than they were when I was an SID because they see me all the time. Mm-hmm. So just they just text me, hey Abby, can I get this picture? Or hey Abby, can you tweet this? Um, so the actually, that I've already referenced the magazine cover that Jordan was on. Right. She sent it to me and was like, and she just sent me the picture and I was like, this is great. Can you bring me one so that I can put it on our social media? And she was like, ah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's how that worked out. <laughs> so now that they know like who I am, they see me every day. Um, and I'm not taking them to interviews anymore. Right. We have a better relationship. Um, as far as someone who does social media and the players go. And so that way, like, they know who to come to for things. They know where to find me, most importantly, and they see me every day. That's cool. Now, is this – this is the last one to transition into the recruiting aspect of the job. This position has to be indicative of how seriously Vic takes recruiting. Yes. Right? That, that he – he is one of so few in this sport that has a full-time staffer with recruiting in the job title. Yes. That, that's not an accident. Yes. Okay. I, I figured being, being deep inside the recruiting machine has to be, has to be interesting to me. So what, what, it, what exactly do you do in the recruiting enterprise on coordinator of on-campus recruiting? Yes. So assistant coach Alana Lovato, she is our official recruiting coordinator. Okay. So I do not evaluate basketball talent. I do not find girls. I do not say, Hey, we want this girl. I don't give offers. I don't do any of that. Um, so that is still the coaches. What I do is I help with little details, the logistics. So they needed someone to come in and sweat the small stuff. And so that's me, especially when we bring these girls on campus. Yes. So all through the fall, that was our heavy on-campus recruiting time leading up to the early signing day in mm-hmm. November. And so they would invite the girls to come on a particular weekend. They would tell me who the girl was. And so I would take that and make an info sheet, share the info sheet with every girl or every person that um, that we had a meeting with, share it with our teams. I would plan their itineraries for when they were here. So schedule their meetings with someone on campus in the department that they were interested in studying with mm-hmm. our academic advisor, Miguel, uh, with our SWA and CAR, with Dr. Keenum, with John Cohen, 
So I would plan how all these puzzle pieces fit together yeah. and how the recruits could have the best time possible at Mississippi State. Okay, this this sounds a lot like back in the uh, preseason, I did a series with uh, Mike Villagrana, the director of football recruiting. Um, and, and just listening to him speak about the details of the visit. Like yes. they have these things planned down to the minute, including Absolutely. who opens the door for the recruits <laughs> and their families at each respective room and place they, they go into. So it sounds like you're responsible for a similar level of planning for yes. when these, these girls make a visit here. Maybe not doors, but definitely what car <laughs> they will be riding in and yeah. who will be driving. Interesting. And I, I remembered seeing you. So when we cover football games, we're allowed field access during pregame. And I would go down there and obviously all sports or recruits are there and whatnot. But I would see you there. I was there. Uh, hanging around with the, the women's basketball recruits. Watching the clock. Yeah. <laughs> the strict schedule yes. that they're on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I figured. I figured. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when you're kind of in, in the midst of all that, like, do you feel pressure? Like, are um, you? To a degree. But a lot of times the recruits only notice me, and this is a good thing, they only notice me when I switch hats and I give a presentation about our digital promotions. So other than mm. that, I'm just kind of in the corner, I'm driving the golf cart, I'm you know in the photo shoot, I'm just kind of making sure that everything's running smoothly so that okay. way the coaches can focus on building relationships with the, with the recruits and different things like that. So, so you don't feel the need to put on the pitch. You're just making the pitch as efficient and effective yes, as possible. Yes. And then if they have any questions, if they want to talk to someone who's not a coach, talk to someone who they don't know, talk to someone who graduated from Mississippi State, um, just about different things, yeah. then I'm always available to answer those questions. So a lot of those conversations happened when I was driving a golf cart. Um, so just we're <laughs> yeah. going through campus and, um, and Coach Schaefer would give the official tour, but then sometimes the parents that I would drive had different questions and so they would just ask me and since I've lived in Starkville for 11 years and I do have a degree from here yeah then I was able to answer a lot of their questions that weren't necessarily basketball related yeah you're uniquely qualified to tell yes. families about Mississippi State University absolutely and about the, the program and the city yes so you're you're armed with an institutional knowledge that that most people are not that's that's definitely a, a selling point do you have a sense of when you've put on a good sell um, when the girls are happy. So I like to see when they're involved, involved in discussions. Um, as I mentioned briefly, the when I trade hats and give a pr- presentation on digital promotions, yeah. I do that with Leah Beasley. So mm-hmm. she talks about physical promotions. She brings in, she'll bring in the Vic Schaefer bobblehead when we do this next time, different posters <laughs> that we've done. And she talks about how she oversees ex- the external department and how the external department helps with student athletes. Shout to Leah. Yes, great woman. And then she passes it over to me and I show a bunch of videos that our videographer Derek Cody has made mm-hmm. just to kind of show like different ways that we promote our girls digitally. And so that way the parents really hook on and they see like, even though they might not be here, they can still see a video of their daughter, Mm -hmm. but they can still see, you know, all these different things that we're doing and that we're putting out to all the people that follow us that they might not necessarily get to be a part of since they don't live around here. Shouts to Derek too. Man, a lot of people in the, uh, in the athletic department (laughs) worthy of a shout out. I do not do this job on my own. (laughs) Right. Right. I do not. Right. So what, what do you, I mean, you kind of went into it just then, but what do you try to make people remember when when you put on the pitch of the digital content and, and everything else that, that comes with being a, 
a member of this program as a as a player? What do you want the parents and the player to remember? So what we all want them to remember, so not just me, is that we really are a family here at Mississippi State. So I talk about it, Leah talks about it, the coaches talk about it, the players talk about it, mm -hmm. and it's not fake. It's not how we're trying to, you know, just sell them on Mississippi State. It's it's real. Yeah. And so a lot of times we don't have to say something about it. They can just see it. So like going back to fan videos, they can see, you know, that we had 10,794 people here last year for the South Carolina game. Yeah. They can see that in a video. They can like listen to how loud the crowd was. And mm -hmm. so they can just see how our fans support this program, how people in the athletic department support this program and how our coaches promote our student athletes and support them. So when you have all of those built-in advantages, and, and to be fair, this is a credit to Vic Schaefer and everyone on the staff. Yes, not to me. To well, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. But <laughs> no. It's, uh, what, it what is I'm, them. Well, I, I'm kind of making a, a long way around to this point. <laughs> they have a lot of built-in advantages because they've been so good. Yes. Because they created those things from yes. not nothing, but pretty close to it. They created a Humphrey Coliseum that is loaded to the gills every time they play here and loud as Hades. They created that. They created this roster that is good enough to go to the Final Four two years in a row. They created this roster that's good enough to do all these things. They created this atmosphere and, and all of that. They created that, but now they get to recruit off of it. So all of that is to say that recruiting to Mississippi State is easier than it used to be. As Coach Schaefer says now, we don't rebuild, we reload. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess do you feel that? Yes. Do, do you feel that do you feel the relative ease to recruit to Mississippi State now? Well, I'm not doing the hard work. <laughs> so <laughs> I will say the coaches are still out there. Um, the coaches are the ones who make these final decisions. I just try to do my best to help that process along. But at a certain point, you can just take a player to a game or take a player to the sideline of Davis Wade and just kind of, as you said, sit in the corner. Yes. And let the natural environs of, of yes. this university surround them and, and make the pitch for you. Yes. That is a very enviable place <laughs> to, to be in. A lot of women's basketball programs do not have that. Now, we talked about this a while ago, um, and I, I'm just curious. You had to take the uh, the NCAA compliance exam. I did. That, that all the coaches have to take. That, yes. They, that some of them have to retake when they commit some stupid minor violation. I or, passed. Or, or whatever. Yeah. Well, you had to or else we wouldn't be having this conversation right That's now. That's true. But because I deal with recruits, I had to take this test. Just and it's so hard, right? It, it Yes, it was difficult. I prepared for it. I took all the practice exams. And so I had like the practice exams down. I knew those questions, knew the answers. And then I get to the real thing and the questions were not the same. <laughs> not the same. So how, I think people understand when people like put out the freedom of information stuff, like this person committed a minor violation by giving a recruit popcorn or, or something. Yes. Like you, I think people see that and understand that the NCAA rule book is incredibly complex and convoluted. And, and I'm saying this, not you, I'm saying it's stupid. But that's that's a different conversation. I think people understand that. How I guess how hard is it to learn that? Well, there are a lot of basic rules that everything just falls under. And I okay. know that if I have any questions, it's better to text compliance and ask them before doing something bad. So I do that a lot, both when it comes to recruiting and when it comes to social media. Shout out to Bracky. 
Yeah, so Bracky, Beth is the one that I go to. Okay. Um, so Beth answers all my questions, yeah. sometimes Kristen Sudi. So I'm very much, when it comes to things that could be potentially a compliance issue, very much an ask first. Yeah. Not a do it and then ask for forgiveness. That's not me because that is not how the NCAA works. And I understand that. And I'm totally fine asking questions. So there, there are certain things that, like I know, I know this from my conversations with the football recruiting people. There are certain things that Joe Moorhead and – Andrew Briner can do that they cannot just by the nature of their yes. job titles and, and, and what they can and cannot do. Yes. There are only a certain number of people who can do certain things. Coaching like, duties. Yeah, coaching duties, like go on the road and evaluate and, mm -hmm. and things like that. So how does the NCAA limit what you can do? Well, I would never be put in a position – uh, it's the same way as a coach. Right. So I'm not on the road looking at these girls. I'm, you know, looking at their flight itineraries in summer when they're going to camps. Yeah. Um, so that's not anything that really hurts me. Um, there are little things like about what you can mail recruits. So I do oversee all of our mail outs. Okay. And you can't mail them anything bigger than an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Okay. So you can do as many pieces of paper that are eight and a half by 11, but you cannot do an 11 by 17. You cannot do a full poster. Why? It's just the rules. So shame, shame, shame. as many eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper as you need, <laughs> which we've, we've pushed that envelope some. Sometimes. Unintended? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I wasn't going to let that slide just... by. You had to know. Had so to know. just um, just little things that I just need to be aware of so that way we're not violating any rules. But for the most part, the on-campus, as, as yes. indicated by your title. Yes. Once, once they get on campus, yes. I imagine you can do... The rules about that. Pretty much um, anything that a coach can do. Yes. Well, it depends on if it's an official visit or an unofficial visit. Yeah, that's The different another... things that are limited. Um, but for the most part, when they're on campus, I can do anything that a coach can do. Yeah. But the coaches do more. Right. Yes. Naturally. Okay. So uh, that's that's all interesting. I hope the I hope the listener finds that interesting. So the the one the one last thing that I wanted to wrap up on was we sat next to each other at Coleman Coliseum. We did. At Alabama. And I was I was genuinely fascinated by <laughs> the process of getting that sweet content out there. And I have four there. screens in front of me. Okay, so this is 100% true. This is all 100% true. So I, it's me in between Abby to my left and 247 Sports' Robbie Falk to my right. Uh, 247 slash Starkville Daily News, Robbie Falk to my right. To my right is just Robbie with one computer, like a normal sane human being and me in front of me one computer like a normal sane human being and abby is over here like she's a grand theft auto character with like five different screens everywhere and doing different things on different screens at all points in time like tracking everything down like doing the videos off of the broadcast feed they get tweeted out during the game that is just witchcraft to me <laughs> as far as i'm concerned and then the the graphics that happen and the double double watch and you've got the ipad with just the live stats feed up and all this nonsense like this this process is insane to me and people need to understand that you are the <laughs> mad scientist with um, a lot of screens i take with, up a lot of space <laughs> <laughs> so how did you kind of establish a system 
So it has evolved over the years. I would imagine. Yes. Or at one point, when I first started, it was just me and the computer that I got when I graduated high school. And that's all that it was. Started but from the bottom now. I did. Here. I did. Um, but from my seat upstairs at the Humphrey Coliseum, I sit at the mid-level media deck, and the chairs are much lower than the table. And they are. I might work with a basketball team, but that does not mean that I'm tall. <laughs> so I struggled seeing over my computer screen, and I couldn't see the whole court with my computer screen in front of me. So it was. it's really quite sad. Um, so then I switched to an iPad. And so my iPad is much smaller than my computer. It's just like a regular size iPad, but it's so smaller than my computer. And I could see over that. So when I first got my iPad, I would tweet from my iPad and then I would do our graphics from my computer that was on the left. And then my iPad was kind of limited. So so I stopped using that as my main way of tweeting and I started going back to just using it as a stat monitor. Mm So I had that to the left and then my old computer in front of me and I would just tweet from there. And then this year we introduced a new way of in-game tweeting and that is um, tweeting the videos from the broadcast. Yes. So the way that the SEC's agreement is set up with ESPN is different across all sports. So I can do things that men's basketball cannot. So men's basketball cannot tweet in-game video when the game is on ESPN, but I can tweet up to 10 clips is what the rule says. Ooh. So how do you pick the clips? So, I mean, it just kind of depends. Um, so I do two to three per quarter okay. about just kind of, you know, um, just whatever works. So, so okay, things that so look good. This this is kind of a window into my anxiety. Uh, everybody knows that a Tierra McCowan block is like the best possible video content. Yes. Uh, just incredible in every way, yes. shape, and form. And I would be scared to death that I would use up my 10, and then she would have two of the nastiest blocks <laughs> in the fourth quarter, and I couldn't do anything about it until however long after the game that that you're allowed to do it. That's a window into the anxiety in my head. Yeah, but, but yeah that, that, would, that would that would terrify me. And clearly, you don't uh, <laughs> you don't live with that fear in your heart, which I guess is good for you. Yeah. So I so I do that, and then we still have graphics in game at the end of every quarters, and then we have um, we have one with stats on it that I use sometimes, and mm-hmm. sometimes I go back to using gifs, which is what I did all last year. So it just kind of depends on like what's going on, but that's why I have so many screens now is that my old computer (laughs) is used for the TV broadcast, which is about 45 seconds behind. So it's processed to get that tweet out and it's not instant. And then I have my new computer from work. That one is the one front and center. And that's where I do all the graphics and where I watch our Twitter feed and what people are saying about us and different things. Um, And then I sometimes when I have space, still have my iPad as a stat monitor. Yeah, but I, I wanted to go into that because it, it kind of proved for me the like obviously tangible effect that, that creating a position like this has because an SID has so many things to do during a game. Yes. It's very, very difficult Absolutely. for them to do as far of an in-depth job on the social media front as I witnessed you <laughs> do during that, that Alabama game where you're like, clipping video things out and tweeting them while you're looking at the iPad for the stat feed, just waiting for T to get that final point or that final rebound. Waiting. For that, that hot <laughs> double-double graphic. And all, all the while you're watching this person climb up the record book and waiting for her to pass 
fourth in whatever statistic it might be. And all the while, there's still a game going on. That I don't really watch much of. Right. (laughs) Yeah. In front of your very eyes. And people might be interested to know that Mississippi State leads 12 to 2 with two minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, So all all of that was... uh, was fun to see. See, I'm glad. I'm glad you said it because full disclosure, you would look at me and be like, "Did did Amriel score that?" And I'm like, "I think so." I have no idea. I think so. I have no idea because I'm watching the game broadcast, which is 45 seconds behind. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you hear a. Yeah, and, and I like, like Amriel score that. I'm like, yeah, she did. She did. She's got 30 already because she's Amriel. That's <laughs> that's what she does, or at least that's what she did against Alabama. Anyway. But again, thank you to uh, thank you to Abby Hunt. I'm going to say this very wordy job title one more time. The coordinator of on-campus recruiting and digital services. You are a very busy woman, obviously, as we have outlined over the last 45 minutes or so. And we appreciate you taking time here on Praise the Lord and Talk Dogs to, to talk about, once again, a pretty unique thing going on in, uh, in this program. So thank you. Thank you for your time. And I will get right on Tupelo's mayor about... <laughs> about giving you the proper respect in in that city. Well, thank you. <laughs> Glad to do it. Drives it to the rack. Swatted by McCallum. Gillingham, four seconds, three seconds to Morgan Williams. Morgan Williams is going to have to put it up, fires it up, and it is good. Praise the Lord and go down.